You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf. And I welcome you to another episode of Win Win, an entrepreneurial community. I am Ben Wolf, your host. Uh, we're going to learn uh, from our guest today how social systems within organizations critically influence them and uh, how to get better at navigating those systems. Uh, in part by improving one's own facilitation skills. So we're going to learn what that means and what that is, uh, and I'm sure more. Uh, as always, please remember to subscribe uh, to this show, Win-Win, an entrepreneurial community. Uh, leave a review, and uh, that will make sure that if you value the value that we're sharing uh, that we're sharing here, that you'll have more access to that in the future. And uh, by leaving a review, it will also help uh, make the content here more accessible to other people, come up higher in search results. So uh, you will be paying it forward as well if you uh, if you do that. So uh, with that, I want to uh, get into the introduction of today's guest, which uh, definitely sounds very interesting. Uh, so our guest today uh, consults with second stage entrepreneurs and, and nonprofit ex executive directors on the management challenges that stem from growth and uh, what we say when we when what we mean, excuse me, when we say second stage entrepreneurs, is basically uh, companies that are past the startup stage but have not yet grown to full maturity. Basically, companies somewhere within the ten to hundred employee range, uh, or maybe in the seven hundred and fifty thousand to fifty million dollars uh, per year revenue range. Um, he is also a facilitation coach for multiple EOS implementers. Uh, that's implementers of, of uh, helping second stage companies, these, these kind of organizations, implement EOS, Entrepreneurial Operating System. Um, as you know, if you've been listening to this show before, that is what I do as well, an EOS implementer. Um, and so he's a facilitation coach for many of them. Uh, he is also the education manager at the Edward Lowe Foundation, where he creates and facilitates business retreats uh, for the aforementioned second stage business owners. Um, he holds a PhD in business psychology with a con concentration on strategic thinking, group facilitation, organizational development, and behavioral economics. Uh, you can learn more about his work at signorigroup.com. That's S-I-G-N-O-R-E, signorigroup.com. And with that, I give you uh, Dr. Dino Signori. Welcome, Dino, Dr. Dino. Uh, hi, Ben. Uh, thanks for having me. My pleasure, and I do appreciate you coming on. And um, like I ask uh, most guests, if, if you don't mind giving us uh, just like a quick two-minute history or like a little background so we can get some context on how you, you know, how you got to be where you are now and, you know, and working on the kinds of organizational development and, and facilitation help uh, that, you know, that you are helping people with. Um, how did... You know, how, how did you get into that? Just so we can understand for a little context, a quick uh, background. Sure. Um, I think right out of uh, school, I started to work uh, for a, a small company. Uh, it was my first experience working with an entrepreneurial firm and uh, took this company uh, that was uh, maybe doing a half million dollars a year. We took it up to about 13, 14 million dollars a year. Learned a lot about oh, wow being a manager, learning a lot about being a leader, working with entrepreneurs, particularly, I was working right close with the entrepreneur of this of this company uh, back in the in the 80s. And so that was the beginning. Uh, a couple different things began to happen. I started, I went and pursued my master's degree. Uh, and as I was completing it, um, I, I, I actually changed my mind about what I wanted to, to be, you know, with that, that degree. But it, it enabled me to start to do some adjunct teaching. 
And, and it was one of those moments where once I, I, I got into the classroom, I realized it was something I was really passionate about, something I really liked a lot. Uh, and so that began, you know, uh, several uh, semesters of teaching at an adjunct level, both uh, uh, American government classes of, of all things and also, you know, business courses, management, leadership, things like that. And, and over time, that led to a position at the Everloaf Foundation. They were looking for someone who could uh, run, you know, uh, retreat programs, who could also design curriculum, who could do some business development, which I had in my background, too. So uh, I, I started working uh, for them about the year 2001. Uh, and always took the approach of we wanted to do something somewhat different. We didn't want to have just the regular cookie cutter type of uh, programs. Uh, so all of the programs that were designed at the time all had an element of, of social psychology to them because it was about leadership and it was mm -hmm. about leadership skill sets. And so it, we thought that was important. Uh, and so uh, probably over the last 20 years, um, probably have now amassed about 25,000 hours of facilitation time, both you know at the foundation, but also in my private wow. practice. Uh, that that has really been uh, sort of unexpected that I, I was able to spend that much time doing it and I, I and I like it and I enjoy it. So um, the PhD program then came later uh, as I was already in the foundation. It was a nice match of what I, I, I thought already with psychology and social psychology. Uh, it comes I got it out of the uh, the Chicago school uh, and it was focused on uh, behavioral economics and focused on uh, business psychology and organizational uh, development and IO psychology. It's definitely as a consulting track is what it was recalled as well. So uh, we were practitioners, and so that was kind of kind of interesting for me as well. Um, I, obviously, did you go through any PhD program? You had to come up with a dissertation, uh, and what I chose uh, was a lovely topic of, of, of organizational decline. The, the title of the work was "The Warning Signs of Organizational Decline." So I basically studied failure, what causes failure in in second stage companies in particular. And, and looked at a few variables and uh, with the idea that if we can we can look at different things that that cause failure then we can kind of maybe help these companies as they're going through a critical time well okay that I mean that's that, that's really interesting it's quite an extensive background and, and that is that's a lot of that's a lot of time doing facilitation and, and teaching mm -hmm. um, one thing I, I guess I was reading about on, on your website in different places is uh, is the uh, is the two systems that you write about here? There's within those within these businesses that you work with. I want mm -hmm. you know you talk about the economic system and the social system. Um, can you explain? I, I guess just like what are those first of all? Sure, I, th I think uh, what you're referring to is there's an economic system and there's a social system, and and where this comes from is. Um, if you look at a, a, a corporate life cycle, you know, of, of companies, they, they, they almost all start out, you know, in, in, a, in a small way and then they grow, you know, most like a human being does. It's a life cycle. It's a corporate life cycle. And when you look at, you know, privately held companies, um, particularly, uh, they, when they first get started, if, you know, if you and I want to go out and start a business, uh, you know, you would, you would, you know, venture out there and do it. You, you really do need to understand the economic system uh, that your company is trying to establish. And so this economic system basically means, you know, how's your company making money? Uh, what do your customers want? You know, and, and, and what do you do to, to uh, work with the market? And so in, in startup phase and in, and in first stage, that economic system is really critical because if you don't get that part together, you're not going to really go very far. You know, you're not going to get into the second stage at all. It's, it's what drives 
the company into its growth mode. But as you start to get a little bit larger, uh, and I think it happens at about 10 employees, uh, or about a million dollars a year in revenue, it seems like there's a new system that begins to appear, and that's the social system. And, and that's the system that, that, that's basically you know, uh, the people aspect of things. Uh, and and that's, that's sometimes where the trouble begins, because now you're dealing with two systems that, that need to work you know, uh, t- together, right? And so quite a few entrepreneurs, um, uh, sometimes this seems to be the biggest uh, area of, of, of challenge is working with these, what I like to say nicely, is that these dysfunctional, irrational, imperfect human beings that are all of a sudden now in their companies, they have to figure out ways to kind of motivate them and lead them and inspire them and, and have them be productive uh, you know, employees. So those are two systems that, that tend to have to work together. All right. Well, when you're when you when you are getting into that second second stage, you know, 10, 20, 30 employees, what is I guess what what do you think? What's the interplay between those two systems? Like what's what's more important? I mean, is it the social, the economic or I mean, or maybe that's a maybe that's a maybe that's a nonsensical question. But, you know, either which one is more influential in, in predicting the organization's success? Well, I think I think they're they're both pretty equal. I mean, uh, in first stage, I think obviously you don't have a social system just yet, so you've got to have to really develop that economic system, and and that's really important that you really understand. You know, th- this is what the environment is accepting. This is what the market wants, and for me to scale that, I'm going to have to figure out the economic side of things to make this thing grow financially and, and right. everything included. Uh, so what we what we have I've experienced is that a lot of uh, entrepreneurs. Uh, are, are great entrepreneurs. They're great at discovering uh, opportunities, but they're not. You know, they they don't always have management experience. Uh, very few do, and so right. now they're getting into a span of control issue, which is a management issue, uh, with their social system, and they can struggle there. Um, it, it's it's what, where, what it's where it's social system that the, the span, span of control. control? Yeah, uh, it's a man- management management term, and uh, that we probably only have so much ability to manage so many a number of people. Uh, the better the manager, mm-hmm. the more experienced the manager, the more people they probably can manage. Um, some people mm-hmm. argue you're probably maybe five or six people that you can possibly manage directly. So, but the mm-hmm. social system now starts to require that to happen. You know, so now now I think they just reach an area where that okay, it goes beyond their ability to control that, and so they're going to have to take some new skills to 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 do that. Some of them do, and some of them struggle with that. Um, it, it's the social system that tends to cause the most trouble as the second stage company begins to grow. Hiring the right people, keeping keeping the right people, keeping them motivated, and keeping them engaged. Uh, and, you know, and actually, able to the economic system has to be able to afford you to be able to pay for the uh, exceptionally right. good executives. You know, so those are kind of kind of related there. Now, the economic side of things tends to be very rational thinking. Okay, you know, it's it's very objective. It's black and white rational thinking. Uh, pretty straightforward. The social system tends to be more irrational. You know, it, it's because it's these dysfunctional, imperfect human beings. So that irrational aspect is really hard to dial in sometimes to get kind of calibrated. It just doesn't always work right. the way the entrepreneur you know wants it to work. Well, what, what can what can people do? People are listening to this and thinking, about, yeah, you know, like if only I didn't have people in my company, I, I could do a great, <laughs> you know, I could do great things. I mean, if someone's like listening to this and they're hearing what you're saying, they're like, yeah, you're right. That's complicated. You know, like that is that's where it starts to right. get complicated. So, like, what what could people do to get better 
at navigating the the social system or you know the human being aspect of it yeah that's a good question um and it you know it's it's important that that you're working on both you know you just can't do one over the other and so uh, it, it's um, the, the the social system. The, the one of the I guess one of the variables that I found from my my research was that um, I was looking for these negative correlations. I was looking for these things that cause neg- negative sales performance. You know, for a company to start to decline. Uh, and one of the uh, variables that I looked at was employee growth. And, and surprisingly, it wasn't negatively correlated. It was positively correlated. So that that growth a growth of the of the economic system created a growth of the of the of the of the number of employees, but the same thing it could be said that that having better employees also grew your economic system. So there was it was there's no way it wasn't necessarily causal. It just was actually correlated in both ways. And so I think that you hire the right people, you can you're going to probably have um, the 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 growth of the company and, and and revenues. But it's about the right people. Then it's about then it comes down to leadership. Then it comes down to doing the building the right culture and having the right kind of values. And it's Fundamentally, having the right people, you know, in the right seat, and and understanding that you're they're, they're going to help you drive that company, uh, and so the entrepreneur has to change his or her role significantly as they grow that company as well. So there's a lot of challenges that come with growing the company. These two systems have to have to grow, you know, kind of a lockstep. You know that that I've seen I've seen companies with really good economic models, all right, and have really terrible social systems. And so they don't retain employees. They they have bad turnover. Nobody wants to work there. You know, I've seen companies with great social systems and have a bad economic model, and then they can't scale, right? So it's kind of like it's kind of both. You got to have both of these things. They're just as important as, as as one or the other. All right. So you mentioned a focus on hiring the right people, uh, making mm-hmm. sure they have the right. Those people are in the right jobs as well. Um, Anything else that people could do to, to want to get better at the at the social at the social side? I, I think you know the more that you you can uh, read about culture and you know, you know organizational culture, the more you can you can uh, read um, uh, other people that are doing you know uh, writing about uh, leadership. Uh, I'm I'm a big fan of neuro leadership and understanding that that knowledge workers need to be led in different ways uh, that 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 we we can't keep using management systems that were designed 120 years ago that we have to mm-hmm. maybe reinvent management sometimes um, and so I think that that there's a lot of interesting information that's coming out of uh, the brain science today about what really engages people um, Fundamentally, it's a you know another uh, maybe a topic for another day, but but this idea about uh, engagement uh, is a serious serious issue for for companies all across the country, and that a lot of employees are you know uh, are disengaged from their work, and it's a fundamentally expensive problem, and, and it but it's it's something that we have yeah. to step back and ask ourselves why that's happening. I think we're just trying to manage people uh, incorrectly today. And we need to do. We need new techniques, and the the, the psychology aspect of things, and the, and the neuroscience is showing us that there's better techniques to do. Right, right. I mean, I guess it makes me think of, of some of the stuff that we you know that we talk a lot about, and also work on a lot with EOS, which is focusing on the why, you know, and like mm-hmm. you know what what's the meaning or, or 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 the big goal behind, you know, not just not just being able to correctly check off a list of tasks, but um, mm-hmm. But to have a uh, have have a why or a meaning behind it, and, and you know, and 
having that yeah. be a, a bigger driver. I think you can start there, you know, if you haven't done much work in this yet, you know, uh, even something around strategy or even going down the, uh, the, the path of doing the EOS model. It, it, mm-hmm. it, it should start with a vision for your company, you know, as the entrepreneur is the, is the visionary. They have to set the vision and they usually have to be very clear about what their values are. You know, what 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 do they stand for? You know, what are their principles? Uh, they mm-hmm. have to uh, decide and think about what's the purpose of the organization or, or the question you just said, of why? Why is this important? People want to know why today. Knowledge workers and, and younger people, anybody who, uh, I could say it's not just knowledge workers, but people like to know why they're they're doing their work. And then and then mm-hmm. the, um, the, the setting a large goal for the company, you know, a BHAG, that Jim Collins calls it. So three yeah. pieces that are a starting Big place for an entrepreneur. Yeah, the big, hairy, audacious goal. This is what we're striving for. Here's our moonshot, and it motivates people. Uh, and that's just the beginning. That's the tip of the iceberg. You start there, and then there's a lot. There's there's many more techniques to do. You know, helping your employees understand. You know, uh, what's you know what's uh, in it for them, and why are they in it, and what do they need, and 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 uh, beyond just the job. You know, it's something more now. This idea of purpose is really critical. And, and, and it's treating, you know, knowing that human beings are not machines, um, that they're, they're, they're organic, they're not, they're not mechanistic, and you just can't dial it in like you would dial in a computer program mm-hmm. or you would dial in a, any kind of setting on a machine. It's like human beings are irrational, and we have to, we have to remember that, that, that we've got to, you know, le- leadership is difficult, and, and, and it's an art form. And, it, and it's something that we, we probably should be uh, learning about all, all our lives as, as managers. And as own business owners, right, right, and it makes sense. It's a big and the and I, there is more. Like I, I'm very tempted to want to continue going down that rabbit hole, like you said, and 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 find out more about some of those other skills beyond that initial stage of of a purpose or you know or vision or having a big hairy audacious goal. But I don't. But I do want to mm-hmm. get to some other things first, and maybe we could maybe we could do that one day in the future uh, on another episode. Okay, but. Um, one is uh, one other thing also um, and I'm curious to, to make sure we have time to talk about is um, the idea of uh, of teaching facilitation I know that um, I, I know EOS implementers um, that you know look to you to you know as a, as a coach and teaching them you know how to get better at, at facilitation when they're working with leadership teams um, so if you could, if you explain maybe because I think this will this will be something that does relate not just to coaches or you know people like that, but uh, but something that as a leadership skill for anybody that's in an organization like this that's going to need those leadership skills uh, that one of those skills is facilitation. So what is first of all facilitation? How mm-hmm. is it relevant? To, like uh, to. To uh, to the EOS work, I mean to, to I, leaders. The, yeah, well, you, you know, I mean to, yeah, just to, to leaders. leaders and companies, yeah. to leaders, managers. Sure. Oh yeah, yeah. Facilitation. Uh, obviously, the definition of it is to to make easy, which I'm not quite sure I agree with that. But it's 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 what is described. But it, it's it's um, it's helping a group, you know, be effective. It's it's so leadership is about that as well. Uh, and so I think you know, fundamentally, it's real similar to leadership. Um, and, and what I what I like and I've liked about EOS for some time is that it's an elegantly designed 
uh, a, a structural piece. It's a system, and and it and it's about it's about structure, and it and it solves a lot of problems just because it's a it's a very effective structure, uh, and yet yet it, how do we actually facilitate? that group that's trying to learn how to do EOS is, is kind of a different part of the experience. And where I come at it is, is that I've, I've learned that there are, uh, there's, there's facilitation models or consulting models that are not as effective as the one that uh, I believe I've started to put into my program. Uh, they're, they're the, what I was trained to do is to be a process facilitator. And, and that mm-hmm. term is what gets people kind of confuse every once in a while you know so fundamentally I'm trying to help a group be more effective and and process means uh, something different it does it doesn't mean you know what people typically think is it's, oh, it's a procedure or it's 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 it's, uh, it's protocols it's it, it's it's not that it, it's really more around behavior so so in, in psychology process means behavior so fu- we're looking at helping the group see itself right and, and understanding that that it, it's functioning a certain way by what you see. So we're, we're helping, uh, if you're a process facilitator, which is what I, 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 I train uh, uh, other consultants, you know, EOS uh, consultants and implementers to, to do, is to help a group be able to self-diagnose what challenges they're having. Okay, so, so it's about, it's through behavioral observations. Uh, my, my feeling is that as a facilitator, even as a leader, um, you are an intervention of some sort. You're, you're intervening into a, a, a group of people or a client system, and you are the intervention. And what happens is that 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 organism, you know, that client system, that company, is going to respond a certain way, and it's going it, it, to the stimulus that you're giving it. Okay, that intervention stimulus as well. So now some of that, uh, um, you know, behavior can be very very positive, but it could also be something that's not so positive that could be sort of maladaptive. And, and it's a chance for you then as the facilitator to help that group see that, to help them self-diagnose the challenges that they're having, you know, in their in their company. So uh, I call it holding a mirror up to the group. And that that's what we're mm-hmm. acting, acting as is I'm, I'm going to be able to hold the mirror up and let you see the behaviors. Okay, does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. I think I think what would be helpful also to make it more concrete and mm-hmm. less abstract also is, to, you know, do you have a story or two, just like an example or two of, you know, I guess clients that you've worked, you know, that, that you've worked with as a facilitator or maybe a story of, you know, a client who used facilitation skills and you heard, just heard about it afterwards in some situation I, I remember once uh, a, a lot of different stories I probably could uh, tell. I, once one group Please. I was working with, uh, yeah, with uh, we were we played this um, this quote unquote game um, where it was a golfing game and uh, it was like a little chipping game and, and and it was supposed to be for fun is what they thought it was it was in the evening and so th- they were out there having some fun on this little golf course that we have. And uh, we had been talking about values, right? The course of this program, and everybody was talking about how important values were and what their values were. And you heard all kinds of things like, you know, honesty and integrity and, and that, you know, cooperation, blah blah blah. All you know, typically mm-hmm. ones you hear. Now, out in the game that we're playing that evening, uh, there's there's a, a, a rule that if you lose your golf ball, uh, you're going to get penalized five extra strokes. Okay, so now mm-hmm. now when they're out there playing. 
they start to do some behavioral things that are not quite exactly honest or doesn't have a high degree of integrity. You know, they're stealing golf balls from each other out of the golf cart. They're doing all kinds of stuff, just kind of like, you know, just doing it. It's because they're competitive and they're trying to win. We got back to the uh, it, uh, the, the conference room where we're all done and, and we're debriefing what it was like and they were talking about how much fun it was. And I said, you know, but I saw some things out there that um, I want to point out to you. I said, so there were some ground rules about uh, about the golf balls. But I saw many of you in the in the group taking, you know, golf balls uh, from the golf cart and also from each other, stealing them and hiding them. I said, so, but I thought one of your values, you know, was uh, honesty and integrity. <laughs> Oh man, <laughs> you know, and so you're going okay, and so they, they look at me like, well, we're just playing a game. It's like, no, 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 really, it wasn't a game. It was, it was fun, but it's also your behavior that I saw out there. Where a little, it was a bit of a contradiction from what you guys were saying here as your values. Now that's right. what we had a conversation about. Is that what happens in a company? You know, when you're not there, does that cause you trouble? And, and and they all had a good conversation around that, you know, that, oh, oh yeah, yeah. So, you know, and, and so when you look for these things, you're trying to find situations in the real, in, the, in real behavior where they're matching up what they say they do or espouse theories to what the, you actually saw their behavior while it's actually happening. When they're under a little bit of stress, you know, when they're competing or whatever it was, that's the real behavior that comes out. And so right. you 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 well, lose you values, use that power, yeah. Right. If they're your your values, then you would. I mean, if they really are your values, then you you would exhibit them, regardless of the situation. Conceptually, yes. But in the heat of the battle, when things start to right. go a little tense, now all of a sudden people start bending the values, and they sometimes throw them right out the window, and they just contradict themselves. It's like somebody yelling at you that they're not angry. You know, you go well. <laughs> You look a little angry to me. I mean, you know, uh, or, you know, uh, it, 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 all kinds of things can happen where people do not treat their clients like, you know, like like they, they say they should. And so these can cause problems. And and, and for the process facilitator, you, you have the courage uh, to and, and some techniques that I train so that you can be able to hold that up. And, and it's not really to be judgmental. It's not designed to harm them. It's just designed to get them to think about what they are doing together as a group. And, it, and, and, and I believe of whatever happens even in small little isolated situations is indicative of what could be going on back in their companies when I'm not there. And fundamentally, I want them to be able to right. take those lessons and diagnose that, self-diagnose that so they can see it when I'm not there. You know, and not even need me to do that for them. But start to say, here are our dysfunctions. Here they are again. What are we going to do to fix them? So, you know, we, a, a person never changes until they can actually self-diagnose what their issues are. Right, right. I mean, right. It sounds like you're able to, you know, you know. I, I understand what you mean about not trying to judge, but to more of a hold up a mirror and then hopefully allow people to have a new habit around around that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so that's, I mean, that's really interesting. Is there, I guess in terms of, do you, do you teach some of your clients also how to use some of the facilitation techniques that you use like w in their own lives as leaders? How do you, how do you do that? I think when, you, when you're working with a client, the second stage business owner, and you're, and you're using the techniques, uh, one of the ground rules is that we always uh, will, will be willing to explain our, 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 our intent and our rationale about it. So, so mm -hmm. if someone says, oh, that was interesting, you know, that what you did there, 
uh, where'd you get that from? I'm always willing to, to discuss it, you know, okay, well, this is the technique that I learned before, um, you know, and, and here's, here's what I do. Like an example, one of the ones that I, I use a lot is I, 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 I practice, uh, Chris Argus was the researcher who wrote about this, that uh, double loop learning is what you're trying to do versus single loop learning. Because he's the guy who uh, kind of developed the uh, learning organization uh, material that's out there. People get trapped in single loop learning. So I try to show them, here's the trap that you're in. Can we now practice doing double loop learning? And, I, and I'll teach the team that. And, I'll, and then encouraging them to, to, to try that with each other. So I, I'll, I'll, I'll try to teach the client when I, whenever I can. Uh, I also try to, to, to tell the, obviously the, the facilitator that I'm training, here's the concept, you know, and here's how you would use it. Uh, and so they can do the same thing. So I, I believe that we, we, the, it, when we teach something, we actually get better at it ourselves. <laughs> so, you know, I'm always willing to talk about right. some technique that I've used. It's not a, it's not a mystery or a secret. I want to make sure that the client does understand, you know, what I'm trying to do, which is basically self-diagnose. I've, I've taught many uh, clients how to do the scientific model, which you have to know how to do that to do a dissertation. And so I learned it there. It was very painful and very hard. But I think it's a great <laughs> it's a great technique to kind of pick out, you know, challenges that you might be having in a company. And so you can isolate what the, the real problems are as opposed to symptoms. So, yeah, try to teach as many things you can. Right, and and one last question on that is, what's an example of the, of that of double loop learning that you do with people, or that they do? Oh, okay. Um, a single loop learning is what you mostly hear uh, uh, from from a, a team uh, or a leader or a manager, and and you can hear this almost everywhere it seems like. But what happens is single loop learning is that a person will first out there's three parts of it. They'll 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 establish they'll they'll state some kind of problem. So the CEO walks in and says something like this, but you know, sales are way off this quarter. Okay, so they state mm-hmm. a problem. Then the second thing they'll do is they'll say some type of um, cause they think is, is, is creating this situation. So they'll say, you know, it's because the marketing uh, strategy isn't working. Okay, so they'll mm-hmm. give some sort of cause or attribution to it, okay? Then the mm-hmm. third thing they do is they'll say something that's emotional, like this really upsets me, all right? This really ticks me off, or or I don't think you guys are upset about it as I am, okay? So they'll lay some kind of, uh, you know, bleh, here's here's the emotional you know load on this, okay? So they stop right there, and they leave the team with that feeling of, well, what do we go, what do we do with this? You know, he just unloaded on us. And, and then they get everybody gets frustrated. Well, that that's a trap. Okay, that's not going to go anywhere. It's not going to create it. People are going to get defensive, and they're going to mm-hmm. get uh, uh, they become afraid, and, and and so that you know the conversation won't go very well. If you practice double loop learning, which basically is do those first three things, that's not a problem. That's not a problem. Do the first three things, but you got to add a fourth and a fifth one. The fourth one is well, okay. So I have to tell you uh, what my evidence is. Here's my evidence. This is the facts I'm looking at. So here are the numbers. Yeah, here's what I'm basing my my first three off of. Here's the evidence, okay? Real facts, you know, true facts, real facts. Okay, here are the facts, okay? And then they have to do a fifth one, which is the hardest one for anybody to do, is you have to step back from it and say, you know what, This this is my perspective. You know, this is my slice of the world, or I'm in this department, or I'm, I'm, hey, I'm, I'm the CEO and I don't see everything. I might not have the whole picture here, or I might be wrong, what do you guys think? And you do the most seven powerful words in management is basically I don't know what do you think, you know even when you think you know but you ask your team what do they right. think 
you bring them in. And so that creates a double loop, almost like a figure eight. It becomes a double loop. I think, oh, okay, he's got evidence. He's also asking me to come in and talk about it. And now they, the defenses are not raised as often. They're able to contribute. So that's an example. Now I can't make people do that. I have to do it myself first, mm -hmm. and then I teach other people how to do it. Right. Okay. Well, look, that's fascinating. I mean, it, it it is fascinating, and there's a lot. There's a lot to. Uh, there's a lot to be gained from that. I mean, people can. Again, uh, the Signore S I G N O R E Group dot com. People can learn mm -hmm. more about what uh, Dr. Dino does, and you know when you might. You know when one might or, or a team might might go to a, a facilitator for help and learning. Um, so I really appreciate that, and uh, you know understanding better people can be a little bit more self-aware about the uh, the economic model and the social model and you know when each one comes into uh, comes into play or to the forefront or starts causing more problems uh, at which stage so really really interesting and i appreciate you coming on and um and just thank you for being here today yeah well, thank you ben nice talking to you nice talking to you too and um we will see everybody else on the other side talk to you later you're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf.